Good day, everyone, and welcome to Detroit Today on 101.9 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. If you love this show and listen every day, but you're one of the people who has never given to WDET, now is a great time to make it your first time. Local shows like Detroit Today are the most expensive part of the programming here at WDET. And of course, we are always really mindful of our budget and our responsibilities and every dollar that comes into the station. But as many businesses have experienced since the pandemic, WDET has a bit of a shortfall. Economic activity is just down everywhere, and that's affecting everything, including this radio station. And so your gift today takes us a step closer to filling that gap, which we really need to do before the end of our fiscal year on September 30th. So help secure programs like Detroit Today and Culture Shift and Essential Music with your gift now at WDET.org. And as always, thank you very much for every effort you make. Up first today, we are getting closer to the time schools are usually returning for fall classes. But it feels as uncertain as ever when it comes to what that's going to look like in September. It's a situation no one has ever had to deal with before, but it's crunch time now for school administrators who are running out of time to make some hugely complex decisions, even as the state of the pandemic continues to shift and change. That is where we want to begin the conversation today. And joining us to talk about those decisions that are being made by school administrators is Randy Lipa. He is the superintendent of Wayne Risa. Randy, welcome to Detroit Today. Hi, Stephen. So let's first talk about uh, what Rain- Wayne Risa is and the districts that you serve in terms of trying to figure out what what they're doing, what what you're hearing from them. Sure, yeah. So Wayne Risa is the intermediate school district, which is set up in each county across the state of Michigan to provide support to local school districts in a variety of different ways. Uh, And so we provide everything from professional development for teachers, for bus drivers, for uh, health care workers in schools, uh, to running their back-end computer uh, consortiums, uh, one of the big things that we're responsible for also, Stephen, is advocacy and advocating on behalf of children in our county at all of the school districts in our county uh, in Lansing and in Washington and uh, making sure that there's good policy in place for our local school districts. In Wayne County, we serve 275,000 students, 33 school districts, and over 100 charter schools. Mm. And what are you hearing from the districts that you serve about this uncertainty, I, I, I have to say that as a parent, I am in the same boat as lots of people really wondering if the things that I'm hearing from the schools that my kids attend make any sense and whether they can be held to any sort of standard of truth or reality in five weeks, which seems like a short period of time, but really is kind of forever if you think of how rapidly Things are changing with the pandemic and how rapidly we're having to make adjustments. What, what, what are school districts saying to you about these challenges? Well, you know, I think you did a great job of explaining how complex the decision making is for local school districts right now. And so, 
you know, I can't emphasize enough as they're putting plans together for the fall how challenging it is for local school districts as the conditions around them change. And so what we're hearing from local school districts is nimble. You know, we're going to have to be nimble. We're going to have to have multiple plans in place, and we're going to have to be prepared to do just about anything because of the changing landscape. You know, many of our school districts have been asking their parents throughout this whole process and their staff, you know, how are they feeling about coming back to school, about the uh, safety uh, requirements that will need to be in place, about how safe they're feeling about sending students back to school and coming back to school. And we're watching, you know, we're watching that. And, and as you would imagine, you can see, a, you know, a slight shift in regards to the perceptions of staff and parents because of the increased uh, uh, or the changing landscape in regards to COVID across the country. And as we see it, you know, coming back now in the Midwest. And so that's on the mind of local school districts as they're planning. And they're really saying, okay, we're going to have to be nimble and have multiple plans in place because, you know, we, we just aren't quite sure exactly what the landscape is going to be in one month. So that word nimble and being kind of flexible, that sounds great. And I think there are a lot of parents who would like for their school districts or their schools to have been more nimble even before the pandemic. But I think we all also understand that school districts are really complex organizations and the idea of being flexible, the idea of being able to change things on the fly is kind of antithetical to the, to the infrastructure, I guess, that you have in a lot of, a lot of districts. You used to be a superintendent of the Livonia district before you led Wayne Reese. Uh, talk about how realistic that is to expect schools and school districts to be able to be flexible and to make decisions maybe at the last minute about how things will look. Yeah, I mean, really, you know, it'll, it'll be having the plans in place and then just determining based on the conditions what makes the most sense. And so really, when you think about it from a school district standpoint, first and foremost, it's about safety. And so, you know, can we make this environment a safe environment both for kids and for students? That's what's on the mind of school districts. And so they're thinking about everything from how do we get the kids to school? What, you know, what does transportation look like? How do we literally get kids in the building? You know, how do we, if we have to social distance, how do we get them in the building safely? What's going to be the screening protocols? And we're working with the Wayne County Health Department right now to identify those. But what are the screening protocols to make sure that kids are safe when they come into school? What are we going to do if someone gets sick when they're at school? What are going to be the processes when you think about a school of students moving around that school during the daytime? What kind of restrictions are we going to have in place? So those are the, you know, the, the specific things that are, as you said, are very complex for each school district uh, to try to put into place. And that's, that's what they're really planning for right now. And, and they're really making those decisions to say, can we do this safely or can we not do it safely? And so, uh, uh, you know, as we're looking at the plans from local school districts and what they're thinking about, they've got multiple ideas out there laid out. And then they're going to look at what their parents are saying. They're going to look at what their staffs are saying. And then they're going to, at the end of the day, saying, okay, can we do this in a safe manner? And if not, what's going to be the best option or online type of program uh, that we can put in place? One thing I can say for sure is I believe every district in Wayne County and across the state of Michigan will have an online option for parents. And so 
for that parent that does not feel that it's safe to be at school, there is going to be an online option for those parents. Mm. And so I think right now the struggle is, you know, can we make sure that school is safe, that we can have all the adults that will be in that building safe also? I'm talking with Randy Lipa. He is the superintendent of Wayne Risa, which is the countywide school district here in Wayne that supports the various school districts that we have, the many, many school districts we have in Wayne County. We're talking about the idea of reopening schools in September. We are supposed to be able to send our kids back to school in September. I think there are a lot of very high expectations around that reopening. We're talking about how realistic that is, though, and whether that will look the way we expect it to. Will we just be able to send kids back to school and things will be the way they were before? Or will we have to still be doing some sort of hybrid online learning as well? And when do those decisions get made? Will they get made now and be able to stick in September? Or are we going to have to all be pretty open-minded and flexible about change? We would really love to hear from you during this conversation. Do you think schools should be reopening in the fall? Call and tell us why or why not. Do you think it is safe to send your kids off to school? Give us an idea of what your thought process has been like over the last few months about schools reopening and what it'll be like over the last month of summer here in August as we get closer to that Labor Day reopening. Do you think we should be putting kids and their families in this position? There is undeniable risk in the idea of sending kids back to school with teachers and administrators and lots of people in close quarters. Uh, We especially want to hear from you if you're a parent of a K-12 student or if you're a teacher or an administrator. Give us an idea of what your biggest fears or hopes are for the upcoming school year. As always, the number here on the phones is 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page, put your comments there, or go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, and we'll try to work you into the conversation. I'll add another really interesting, I think, dimension of, of what we would love to hear. If you're a family or a parent who is not planning to send your kids back to school because you're afraid of the safety issue, because you just don't think schools will be able to work that out, uh, give us a call and and let us know what else you want to do and let us know when you think it'll be safe to send your kids back to school. Again, 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. That's 313-577-1019. Randy, before we get to listeners, I want to have you react to something an educator in Illinois was recently quoted as saying in the Chicago Tribune. It says, we know kids will die. We know teachers will die. And that a lot of people think that might be a harsh thing to say, but it's true. What's your response to that? Well, I think that really uh, says very clearly the remarkable challenge that school leaders have in regards to making this decision. And so on one hand, they're hearing from parents saying, look, we have to get our kids back to school. We know that that's, we, we know from every piece of research that we have that students learn more when they're in 
a, a school environment and not online. And so we've got that particular challenge of parents wanting it and knowing that that's what kids need. And on the other hand, we've got this issue of, you know, can we, can we guarantee the safety of staff and students when they come back to school? And so that is the remarkable, you know, uh, uh, balancing act that school districts are, are, are working through right now. And, you know, as we've heard uh, over the last week, as decisions are starting to trickle in, you're seeing more and more school districts saying that they're going to start online. And that's because it's that, you know, we'd rather be safe than sorry. I don't think there's any right uh, kinds of uh, uh, um, decisions because every single community and every single school district is different. You know, when, when uh, DPSCD has announced and talked about their on, you know, starting school face-to-face, you know, they believe that they have the space in the building to do all of the things that have been identified from a safety standpoint. They believe they can put those components in place. Another school district, when you think about Plymouth Canton as one example, having 6,000 students at their three high schools that are all on the same campus going from school to school, that's a whole different um, set of safety circumstances that they have to look at in regards to can they do that safely. And so uh, the one thing that I can say is that if you're talking about what's on the mind of local school districts and their boards, safety is number one. Uh, and uh, but boy, it's a remarkable challenge because they want school, they want kids back in school. Mm. Again, three one three five seven seven one zero one nine is the number on the phones. Call and tell us how comfortable you are with the idea of reopening schools in the fall and whether you are going to send your kids off back to school the way that they did before. The pandemic or if you're making alternate plans 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones let's go to brian in ypsilanti brian welcome to the show hello Stephen. thank you for taking the call wonderful show thank you um i am actually a teacher uh in the wayne Risa, well under their umbrella um and uh i have to say that i am not comfortable uh teaching in a situation where our building has over 3,000 students and staff. Mm. Um, when you see these re- local restaurants, you know, simply from one or two employees or people coming in to dine, and then there's two or 300 people that it spreads to, what are we going to think is going to happen when there are 3,000 people in a single building? Mm. Mm. And, so, Brian, give me an idea of what you plan to do if you don't think it's safe if you don't think it can be managed safely what's your fall going to look like well i don't have any choice Uh, i do have to teach in whatever situation i am told um i I am a music teacher and actually even though it was as effective as i could make it uh, teaching music online is not the same as rehearsing your orchestra your band in person right and actually, I just finished a, an eight-day band camp at my school, but we were outside exclusively. And from what we know of the science, outside seems to be the safest. We were never allowed in the building, per the governor's order. Hmm. And, um, but inside just doesn't seem like it's going to be... Yeah, it, 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 yeah it, how it do you do the that? Same thing. Yeah. Brian, I really appreciate the call and... And you're sharing your your anxieties about what's just around the corner. 
Randy Lee, but that's a teacher saying he's uncertain about this. It seems as though that that should that should make all of us a little nervous and maybe give us some pause. Well, I absolutely, you know, he laid out very clearly, Brian, thank you very much. And thank you for being a teacher. Uh, he laid out very clearly that the challenges that local school districts are going to have and the differences between school systems. And so, you know, a large high school with only 700 students is a whole lot different than a high school that has almost 3000 students in regards to those students, you know, just passing in the hallway as one simple example mm-hmm. and how, how many staff you're going to have there. You're going to have hundreds of staff. And so, uh, you know, he's, he's laying out very clearly the remarkable challenges that local school districts are having and why you're seeing that, you know, as COVID cases increase, why you see the, uh, you know, a bit of a shift in regards to school districts thinking more towards, you know, what are our online options uh, as they're thinking about the fall. Uh, that's a rem- remarkable challenge. If you can think about 3,000 students in a, in, a, in a school and how do you even get them to pass from classroom to classroom, you know, the expectation is, is that those classrooms will be cleaned every time students move. That's one example. How are you going to social distance them in the hallways? How are you going to feed them at lunchtime? Those are some of just, those are just a few examples. How are you going to get them in the building? How are you going to health screen them every single day? You can see the challenges that are mounting for local school districts as they're trying to think about how to start school. And I just add one more thing. The other uncertainty that school districts are, are working with right now is the budget. You know, the state, school districts have no budget for this upcoming school year. Hmm. They, they right now are looking at potentially a $700 per student cut as we're sitting here today unless there's a federal stimulus package that passes. And so school districts need answers not only on their budgets, which they don't have, but also they need answers in regards to can they even provide online options. We need what they call a seat time waiver that will allow the online option to be in place so school districts can count those students in their student count so they can make sure that they have a budget to plan for for the school year. So that's a remarkable uh, uh, piece that's out there. And if you think about the added cost for local school districts, the PPE, I mentioned the cleaning, you know, they're going to be significantly more cleaning supplies, uh, potentially added staff for supervision to make sure that kids are social distancing, potentially additional staff because there are going to be some teachers that are doing online programs for kids that are, that have taken that option for home while the other teachers are doing face to face if school districts are moving in that direction. And of course the technology needs of students who are at home learning. And so there are these additional costs that school districts don't have a budget for this year. We need the federal government to step up and solve that. And we need them to state as soon as they can to put a budget in place for school districts. Mm. Again, Brian, really appreciate the call. Let's go to Dave in Wyandotte. Dave, welcome to the show. Hi. Hi. Good morning, everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, my name uh, is Dave. I'm a 24-year teacher um, at a uh, city school. Uh, I'm actually <laughs> another a music teacher. Uh, I teach mm-hmm. middle school music. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm a parent of a high schooler and a middle schooler. I teach in a building that is about 70 years old with no air conditioning, bad ventilation. Mm. I have uh, two or three openable windows in my room. Um, that is a, quite a large room, very, very little uh, airflow. And um, my main point is that as both a parent and as a teacher, I believe that the least worst choice for school this fall is to do online learning. Mm. 
And uh, my biggest thing is that if we start virtually, we will have to prepare, but we can do that now. Or we can do that by delaying the start of the school year for just a little bit and using that time to train teachers. And if things return to stage five, if things get much better, we can return to -to face-to-face education really safely, well, hopefully safely, but very easily. Mm. Um, But if we start in person now and then transition back to virtual when outbreaks occur, because they will, um, it's going to be a mess, just like what happened in the spring when everybody was scrambling right. to create systems Out of to nothing. educate yeah. kids. Yeah, you know, uh, Dave, I really, I really love uh, that you called and made that point, Randy Lipa. Do we uh, do we have it backward? In other words, by opening and taking the risk that an outbreak forces us back to online. Are we are we getting it wrong? If it, would it be smarter to say let's do online for now and wait till things are decidedly better and that we know they're better, and then go back to in person? Yeah, well, you know that gets into that conversation about being nimble because whether you're starting school either online or with kids in, there's a potential over this next school year that we're going to be in and out. And so, you know, you could have an outbreak in October, you know, you've got the flu season, you know, during the school year Mm -hmm. that could put you in a position where you're going to be shutting the school down after you've already had kids in the building. But, you know, I just want to say that what Dave had described are the exact conversations that school boards are having right now as they're trying to sort out, should we start online or should we have uh, a uh, face-to-face instruction to begin with. And so he laid out very clearly the exact conversations that are occurring. And I think it's going to be those kinds of conversations that will lead ultimately to school districts saying, you know, we think we need to start online. It makes sense for the reasons that Dave mentioned. Or there are going to be, you know, potentially other cases where school districts say, you know, we think we can still do this safely, even if we end up having to uh, go in and out. Because I think school districts are planning potentially to have to go in and out, whether they're starting online or not. Okay. Randy Lipa, superintendent of Wayne Risa. Really great to have you here. Thanks for coming by. It's great to have you. Great to be on. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll continue our look at how school administrators are grappling with the decision of whether or not to reopen classrooms in the fall. We want to continue to hear from you as well. 313 577-1019 is the number on the phones. Call and tell us what you plan to do when schools reopen in September. Stay with us for more Detroit Today. This is Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. We're talking about the stress facing school administrators as they try to plan for a school year full of uncertainty and very real issues of health and safety. And that's to say nothing of the stress that parents are facing with these decisions about whether to send your kid back to school if your school is reopening in full, or whether to find another way for your kid to get educated this year because you're uncomfortable 
with the idea of sending your child back to school. We want to continue to hear from teachers and parents this hour about those decisions, how they're making them, what they're thinking about the plans to reopen. Do you think that makes any sense at all to say that we're going to reopen schools in just five weeks? Or should we really be planning for a better execution of the online learning that we all had to adapt to so quickly when the pandemic hit last March? As always, the number here on the phones is 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put comments there or go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today. We'll work you into the conversation, especially we want to hear from those parents who are saying no to all of this, saying, I just don't feel comfortable sending my children back to school. And we'd love to hear what you're going to do and how you will decide when it is safe to send your child back to school. What is the marker that you're looking for that will change your mind? Joining us now to talk more about this is someone who has an in-depth look at these issues in Crane's Detroit business. Chad Livingood is Crane's senior editor. Chad, welcome back to Detroit Today. Thanks for having me, Stephen. Uh, Let's start by talking about the current picture of schools here in Michigan and what you put together in your piece in Crane's. Well, a month ago, the governor uh, laid out a set of guidelines for the for every school in the state, public school and private, to uh, have to adhere to. And some of these, it, for basically downstate, southeast Michigan, so, uh, south of Clare, um, essentially, uh, we are in what's known as phase four, where we uh, can reopen the schools, but with restrictions. And one, some of the big restrictions are every uh, kid grade 6 to 12, and all the teachers have to be wearing masks throughout the day, and there's certain cleaning protocols, like wiping down every single desk in between every period um, in in high school and middle school classes. But beyond that, basically, the decision about whether to reopen uh, full-time or have a hybrid plan where kids go to school two or three days a week, then they're home a couple days a week or go to all virtual learning. That decision lies with the local school board or the board of, 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 the, of the local charter school. So um, the governor is really kind of trying to put this decision on, 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 at the local level, keep keep local control, which we always uh, hear people pre- preaching about in Lansing and not always adhering to. Um, and so now now it's decision time, um, and, and things are, are rapidly coming to a close here, and there's a lot of things that – that schools are just juggling with, they're just completely rewriting the entire operational plan of a, of a school, how kids enter the building, uh, where, how they move about in the building, um, trying to cut down on the number of changing um, and, and movements they make. I mean, some, something as simple as there's an art classroom in every elementary school and the kids go to art once a week. Well, now they're just basically cutting that out because one, they need the art room because it's big to put kids in, in, in other classes to spread them out because mm-hmm. you got a lot of classrooms that are already at capacity. I already got 25, 30 kids, and there's no way to socially distance in some of these um, you know, essentially 50 by uh, 50 room, you know, square, uh, um, rooms. And so you have to find ways to spread kids out, use, use the auditorium, use the gym as a classroom, um, all kinds of different ways, or go outside if, if, if at all possible. But of course, that only works until about 
you know, the first week in October, mm-hmm. uh, in, in, and even in northern parts of northern Michigan doesn't, doesn't work that long. Um, and so, um, there's all these different things they're trying to wrestle with, with the operation of the school. And then at the same time, you got to start counting for, okay, what's our procedures if, if a tech kid tests positive? Or if, a, if a, a teacher tests positive, do we do we send the you know the teacher and her entire or his entire class home for mm-hmm. for two weeks? How is that going to work? I mean, th- these are things that that educators and education administration folks have never thought about. Mm. Just the, just the uh, the timing of to, to, the, the the manpower to clean a cl- uh, wipe down every desk in between class periods. Yeah, I mean, uh, these it, are things that we've never had to contemplate doing in schools before no and it's and and so it's it's uh, added a whole you know host of new logistical issues just to open the doors and so that is why some you see some school districts just kind of throwing their hands up in the air and saying we're going to start virtual we got enough anxiety in the community about about opening uh we're not ready um and also the legislature is not ready to um, fund us, um, we, we, and because here's the reality: the schools are going to have to start without without a budget, right? <laughs> um, because the legislature hasn't passed a budget, because you know, for a whole host of reasons, the legislature and the governor are kind of waiting around for Congress to um, decide whether or not they're going to be sending aid to either help uh, backfill you know regular budget deficits the state is having, or also or just specifically earmark money for the operations of schools. I mean, the, um, a lot of school groups estimate that it would cost a billion dollars in just additional cost mm-hmm. for all the PPE, all the um, cleaning supplies, all of the additional staff that is needed to uh, to do temperature checks or other types of things that, that, again, were not part of our lives in running schools before the pandemic hit. Mm. So I also wonder... At what point Governor Whitmer might decide this is just not going to work? Last spring, she said there's no way to keep kids safely in school. I'm canceling in-person school for a a certain amount of time. Originally, it was just going to be a month, I I think, and then it got extended through the end of the school year. Are, Are we on the verge of her making a decision that says, look, this this was something we wanted to do, and everybody was hopeful about it, but there's just not a practical way to do it. Yeah, I mean, last week she said that um, uh, there's going to be a decision on whether, you know, on her part, whether um, to pull back um, the plans essentially, or whether to change some of the uh, the designations, the reopening designation, which is known as Phase Three, which requires all virtual instruction. And that's regionalized. And I think this is where it gets a little dicey. I mean, um, and different. Uh, and, and this is obviously part of the, 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 the debate that we've had in this, in the state for the last four months about these restrictions. Um, does it make sense to impose, um, uh, all virtual education on Sanilac County, uh, north of, north of Port Huron with, that has 91 confirmed cases, uh, to date? It's very rural, very agriculture. Uh, economy um, versus, um, you know, just this own neighboring county of St. Clair County that has 653 uh, cases. And it, it, it's fairly rural agriculture, too, but it has a big population center in Port Huron. And then you go just go south to Macomb County uh, down the map there, and, and it's, you know, 
9,300 cases and, and a lot and still prevalence. Um, I, I mean, there's, there's going to be a lot of debate about whether, you know, whether San Alec County or Lapeer ought to be, you know, looped into uh, southeast Michigan, essentially, and how, how you treat that. So um, this is this is one of the things that I think they're wrestling with in the governor's office right now. Um, and 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 and, you know, yes, that's those are those are inherently political decisions. Um, but, um, uh, but, but there also is public health decision. Uh, there's public health ways to, me- to measure that as well and, and weigh whether there, there is as much risk in Santa Lake County as there is, uh, there certainly is in Macomb County. Again, 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. Let's go to Janet in Detroit. Janet, welcome to the show. Yes, this Right. What I want to say to you, it is not that I don't want the kids back in school, I, but I'm a retired teacher and nurse. The problem is you cannot control what goes on outside the door. Mm-hmm. You can do all you want inside the school building. Are the parents going to guarantee social distancing, washing hands, wearing masks? You cannot monitor that. So if the kid is not going to be able to, you can't guarantee. So you, there's a lot of things when teachers are concerned. Yeah that they need to be concerned about is because of this. You cannot control what doesn't go on inside of the classroom or inside of that building. Right. Janet, thank you very much for the call and and the comment. Uh, Chad, this question about what happens inside the buildings is important, but also what happens outside the buildings. I mean, the the, the problem, of course, is, is coming and going and interacting with different people, there is no way to to be in total control of that. What is the what is the official line, I guess, about why this is still okay or safe, given given that wild card? Yeah, I mean, there's really not any ex- explanation on why why going to school is safer than going to the grocery store. It's certainly not the same type of of act uh, you are in and out of a grocery store you're not lingering around the building at a grocery store for six hours um and and you're not or you're not in a, in a contained room like an elementary school room uh with with 25 kids uh for uh, for for six hours like you if you were just going into a grocery store and passing by 25 kids uh for in a 15 minute period or something so it, it's um i mean at the end of the day we're trying to figure out how to how to get 1.5 million children uh, not just back to school, but also continuing their education. Because I mean, I don't. We haven't even talked about this yet, but uh, long term, this this pandemic is going to have a great disruption mm-hmm. on the education outcome and achievement of of our of our kids. Um, I mean, you just can't you just can't say that you know. Uh, well, they 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 were out for five months and they'll. They'll catch up when they get back in the fall. That may not happen, and we may be behind for a long time. And so it, it is completely reinventing how how to educate a child uh, and get the same type of outcomes that we that we expect that helps them, you know, work work their way into adulthood. Yeah. And so um, th- these these are longer term ramifications of this crisis that we haven't even begun to really kind of um, uh, process. but And that's on top of the fact that we already were, were in the bottom 10 of, of, of state, states in the country in educational achievement uh, across different demographics. And so we already have a crisis in the state 
um, that is uh, really existential uh, to our long-term economic viability. And then on that on that matter, um, getting kids back to school so mom and dad can go back to work is you know is also part of the economic equation too. I mean, mm-hmm. let's not let's not sugarcoat that at all. Um, that is definitely um, uh, a big, big, a big aspect. And, um, and so schools are, are, are school administrators are just up to their ears and all kinds of, you know, uh, community feedback about this. They all got, they got staff, they got who have health problems. So some of them are creating these virtual academies for, um, the, the ability to opt out of, of going into school. Some districts are doing this, like Celine, I featured in the article, they're doing that partly also because they have they have teachers who do not feel comfortable or do have health considerations or family con- health considerations that they do not want to be exposed. So they're going to opt out and, and, and teach the virtual classes. Mm-hmm. Again, thanks very much for the call and the comments, Janet. Let's go to Sherry in Detroit. Sherry, welcome to the show. Hi. Hi. Um, I'm a... A mother of a four-year-old, and we were really hoping that he would make it into preschool this year, Um, but we are not going to be sending him, and I'm also a former school worker, um, and I have schools calling me wanting me to to go back, um, and I'm not going to do it. Hmm. Um, And actually, that was a hard decision because, you know, when, when someone calls and says, we need you, then you you want to step up for it. But in my family's situation, um, I, like a lot of other teachers, am overweight, and I'm 46, mm. and I have prediabetes and high blood pressure, and I just feel like I can't, I can't risk that. That's a real risk. So, yeah. um, and the good thing is that my husband and I made the choice Five years ago to move to Detroit and buy a small house for cash because we happen to have enough for a small house in Detroit. Mm-hmm. And so we are able to make that decision. And I just feel so bad for um, people that are not going to be able to make that decision, yeah. um, even if they want to. Yeah. And my Sherry. best friend is... a. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, the, I appreciate the call and the and the perspective. The idea that you're not going to send your your child to preschool, I think, is is it's important, and I think it's one of those critical decisions that lots of families are are struggling with right now. And and you've got to do what's best for you and your family, and and for a lot of people, that means not engaging with uh, with school in that way. And Sherry, thanks very much for the call. Let's go to Benjamin in Detroit. Benjamin, welcome to the show. Hi. Um, hi, my name is Ben Royal. I'm a uh, teacher in Detroit, a uh, member of the Ian Dam Caucus and the Teachers Union. The, the main point I want to make is that if we're talking about whether and how to reopen schools, we are way off topic. That is the wrong question. The only important central question right now is how to defeat the pandemic. Hmm. And the only way to do that Everybody's got to stay home. There's got to be a nationally coordinated policy to make that possible. There's got to be financial benefits for families to stay home, for workers to stay home. There's got to be financial benefits for small business owners to keep from bankrupting them during the crisis. Mm -hmm. And then once we've actually defeated the pandemic through that kind of a nationally coordinated policy and it's actually safe to reopen, 
that's when we should be having this conversation. But right now, it's too soon. It's too dangerous. Uh, students need to stay home to protect their own health and safety, to protect uh, the families in our school communities. And that's just what it's got to be right now. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I think that's a really that's a really interesting perspective. Focus on the pandemic. Don't focus on school. I, you know, that's not the approach that we're taking in this state. And I think uh, there may be some reckoning around the corner that forces us to do that. Chad Livengood, uh, we've got about a minute left. Uh, I'll give you the last word here. Yeah, I mean, a lot of uh, some of the school leaders around the state that have decided to opt out uh, or just continue, start off virtual, like Ann Arbor, Grand Rapids, most of the districts around Lansing, the, their school leaders are basically taking that approach that they're trying to focus on on the pandemic before before focusing on on um, reopening schools or or, or jumpstarting the economy, essentially. Mm. Okay, Chad Livengood, senior editor at Cranes. We're going to keep you for the next segment uh, where we're going to talk about the new Meyer that is going to open here in Detroit. But thanks for being here to talk about school reopening. When we come back, we are going to talk about development and food options for Detroiters and how they're going to change if there is a new Meyer on East Jefferson. Stay with us for more Detroit Today. 